Huh? Yeah, whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wolf. And I'm David Oro, and you're listening to the Umbardo, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. Whenever we get around to it. Which is usually every other week. We're going to talk about news, politics, sports, pop culture, business, whatever we want. All of it from the point of view of public relations and communication. We are all about punching stodgy PR in the face. That's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. It's Thursday, October 14th, 2021. The Giants take on the Dodgers tonight. Or that's Kevin and David go at it this evening. Now this is I'm this ready, is dude. Dodgers beat the shit out of the Giants like tonight. Dragon rights forever. That's what tonight's all about. <laughs> it's a big, big night, dude. It's like I'm, a jungle uh, sometimes. I'm looking forward to it. You know, going. and um, if the Giants how like happen, to, how do you like the your chances, man? How are you feeling about the Giants tonight? Oh, I think it's going to be a classic, dude. I think it's going to be a classic. You know, the Dodgers always worry me though because they are. Those, they those should worry you. Hit. We're world champions. Yeah, the world yeah, champions. right. In a COVID year, asterisk, asterisk, COVID year. Whatever. Um, so, you know, speaking, speaking of sports today will probably be the most bro-y show we'll ever have, Kevin, because, uh, we have a special guest today. We're going to be talking about sports. I'm going to let you introduce this fella. Yeah. And, um, we'll take it from there. Yeah. Pleasure, man. I'm introducing Mr. Scott Yaffe, man. Scott Yaffe is the president of Scott Yaffe Communications, a San Diego based public relations and communications firm. Prior to starting Scott Yaffe Communications, Scott helped manage public relations for the National Football League's San Diego Chargers. Scott, welcome to the embargo. Awesome, stoked to be here. It's good to uh, good to good to uh, get reconnected here and uh, spend some time with you boys. So you guys, you guys have a history, though, right? You guys, it's not just sports. So, so Scott, a couple of things. Scott May, we went to college together, San Diego State. This was like early mid nineties. Scott may or may not have uh, gotten me into public relations. Uh, he got me connected to the sports information department at San Diego State, got me an internship there. And because of him, I've been saddled with this PR shit for the last two and a half decades. So I got to thank him for that. Scott also may or may not have convinced me to get rid of an earring that I was stupidly wearing in my ear. Scott was like, yo, man, you can't be wearing this earring if you're going to be working in PR at the uh, information, sports information department. So I got rid of that. And uh, and I got to tell you, man, like, I'm stoked to have Scott on the show. First, I'm going to call him Yaffe because everybody calls me. I'm stoked to have Yaffe on the show because we haven't been in touch for a while. But when the John Gruden news broke this week, I felt like like a local sports radio, like a local radio show that had somehow booked anthony fauci like the day that covid broke i was like we could not have a better guy come on the show to talk about sports and comms than scott yaffe man like you are the man so we're gonna get into that does that sound okay yeah i'm good with that i can get down with that (laughs) yeah do you do you do how big was that earring was it a big loop earring or was it it was like a pirate loop earring but it was big enough Scary thing was I actually had one of those too. And I even I even think I still have the hole in my ear that you can see it embarrassing enough as that is to admit. But but that that goes to show how old you are. I mean, like, come on, is that a big deal today? I don't think so, right? Like back then it was a day, a little bit more controversial. A little bit. Yeah, now it's definitely a little more commonplace now. 
So Scott, so, man, you're, you're going to tell us, we're going to get into the Gruden shit because there's a bunch of stuff to unpack from a comms perspective. And I want your take because you know better than anyone firsthand what it's like to be in that room when something happens, you know, and, and so you're going to get, you're, you're going to tell us like how you would, what you, what you would have done, you know, how you might've dealt with something like that, what you think of the communications that have come out from the Raiders and from media since then. But why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about what you're doing now, since you're not working with the chargers today, what kind of work are you doing now? What kind of PR stuff? Yeah, I'm pretty broad based right now. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting because I always thought I'd be a sports guy, but uh, you know, to be honest with you, not having a lot of sports in town, I've kind of really had to divest myself and, um, I'm in a bunch of different spaces. I'm in entertainment. I've got some nonprofit clients. Um, I got a few in the private sector. I just onboarded a new client that um, specializes in um, customized pet food and, and pet nutrition. Um, I'm working with a woman uh, who has a consulting company that um, helps people looking to build accessory dwelling units. Uh, so it's really it's been good, man. I'm uh, you know I learned and and got the skills to be able to do the things I do today. Thank to thank. Thanks to all those years with the Chargers um, and just learning how to be a bulldog and hustle. And, um, you know, I kind of just I, you know, there's a lot of guys not to knock other guys in the league, but there's a lot of PR guys. I think that just think their job is to, you know, write the press release each week, get the flip card done, make sure the coach is at the podium a couple of times a week at the quarterback there on Wednesdays. Uh, but it really is uh, more. There's a lot more to it than that. And just understanding that, you know, the power and control you have to. Uh, get a story out in the media or help shape a story or shape opinion. Um, and I, you know, that light went on for me uh, many years ago. Um, and it really kind of helped me through the latter half of my career, you know, and then especially when I went out on my own to really kind of have a grasp of what PR was. Because, you know, honestly, Kev, when you and I were in school back in the 90s, PR was still, even though it existed, it was still very new in a lot of ways. I mean, even they only had one or two PR classes, um, even at San Diego State back in the day, um, you know, and that writing, you know, putting these monster proposals together. It just they didn't really teach you the art of doing PR. Um, you just kind of have to learn it by doing. Um, or for me, that's how it worked for me. Uh, but I've been been fortunate. Knock on wood. I'm in a, I'm in a great place and I love what I'm doing. And don't get me wrong, man. I miss football. Sundays are hard when I watch the games and see guys that I know still out there you know, on the field after the game, grabbing the quarterback for the post-game interview or grabbing the head coach. Um, you know, those are special times and, and neat experiences, but um, I'm thankful that I had them and, you know, I love what I'm doing now. You know, Scott, so, uh, Kevin, I know you want to get into this Gruden thing because yeah, you're yeah. fired up about it, but I, I want to ask Scott a little bit about the role, right? Because right now, the skills that you had as an NFL public relations guy – you know, this is high visibility role, right? You, you're doing stuff every week. You, you have the media coming to you in a lot of ways. And, um, but now a lot of those skills seems transferable. You just talked about the client list that you have, right? Uh, and how you're working with them. What, what is it that made your job at the NFL more unique? And what are you bringing with you now uh, from a skill set to, to your current client work? Well, it's interesting because one of the things you just said, if you go back, when you listen to this, you'll see, well, you say the media came to you. Well, when you work in the NFL, that you don't have to worry. I mean, look, we did a lot of pitching. You know, we did a lot of outreach. But at the end of the day, you didn't really have to worry a lot because anytime you put something out, you knew it was going to get picked up and you knew that the media was going to come to you. And part of I mentioned the you know, I was talking a moment ago, I talked about the kind of the epiphany that I had. 
Um, it, it was around going back. It was early 2000s. It was around 2003, maybe 2004. Um, it might even be 2005 when um, our GM at the time came out and we had high expectations for the team. And he referred to that year as being our push year. Um, so we put a lot of pressure on guys and we got off to a slow start. We were notorious for slow starts. I remember we went out to Denver and lost a game. And I think it put us, we were at one and three, maybe two and three, something like that. But, you know, it was nowhere near where we were expected to be, you know, and I was thinking to myself on the flight home, you know, from Denver, like, man, we could sit and do the same things that we've been doing and we can wait for the media to come out here on, you know, tomorrow and talk to the coach and come to the podium on Wednesday. I said, but what if we were to put a proactive effort together and let people know, like, you know, we realize this is not where we want to be. We're upset. We're not happy. Uh, we know we need to be better. So what I did was I lined up a series of live shots. I reached out to the TVs and rather than waiting for them to come to us, I said, let's take us, take our players and our guys and let's take our message to them and go to them and make their job easier and give them a break. So I lined up a series of live TV shots um, with four different TV stations and we brought different guys out. We went into the evening to the five and six o'clock news and did live shots going like, look, we're pissed. We're, 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 pissed and we're frustrated with where we are right now. We understand expectations are higher. And this is an example that we're not just going to sit back and wait for things to come to us. We're going to be proactive and letting people know that, hey, we're pissed. We're going to turn this around and we want you to stay with us. Um, and it was a great effort. The only flaw in that was one of the guys, I, I couldn't be at all four stations. So I had to split it up and a few of us go to stations and our ABC affiliate here is in a, in a weird spot. It's kind of hard to find. And of course, one of the guys I asked to take a player to for whatever reason, got lost and missed his live shot, which was kind of a bummer. But the, uh, but, but the others went off. And, and to me, that was kind of where the light went on of like, look, you have the ability to go out and control the message. Um, and it, it, it made a big difference. Uh, you know, maybe not on a grand scale, but for me, that was kind of where the light went on and understood like you really have a lot of opportunity to control uh, the messaging. And, you know, that, 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 said, that was my epiphany. What, what's the response of, of team executives, your boss at the Chargers, when you bring up something like that? Because I think the the instinct is, like you said, is just sit back. Like just You don't need to do anything. You're going to get coverage for your news. You're going to get coverage on game day, blah, blah, blah. But you decided to, to take a different approach, a more proactive approach, which I, I, was, you know, probably unusual. Like, I mean, that, that probably isn't something they expected. How did they respond to that? What was their – were they interested? Uh, did they – they're like, this is a bad idea? I mean, how did it go? No, he loved the idea, was 100% on board with doing it and uh, supported, you know, me doing it. We were, One thing we were always kind of challenged there with, you know, with the Chargers, and I don't know what happens in the other 31 buildings, but, you know, you're you're expected to be the best of the best when you're, you know, that's the, the preeminent professional sports league in the world. Um, as you know, I mean, you can see that the popularity of it right now around the globe and how, how much football is loved. So, you know, you, you to be in the NFL, you know, in one of those 32, you have to be able to perform like that. You know, if you're just a robot and you're just going through the motions and doing the job, you're not going to last. So look, I mean, I wasn't perfect. I was, you know, for this interview, I was thinking about some of the things and look, I did plenty of things wrong too, uh, where, you know, dumb little things that I did here and there that, you know, probably could have got me fired along the way just for being a knucklehead. But, um, but I also, you know, was, I worked hard. I was a bulldog and, you know, I came up with ideas like this and, and we did things. I mean, you didn't necessarily like all of them that you did. I mean, some were tedious and you're just like, why are we doing this? But, um, you know, you constantly had to push yourself. And, you know, that's look back. That's why yeah. I made it 21 years. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like to say, you know, to, to the layman, the people that ask me what you do in PR, 
And, and I say, I help people get in the news or stay out of the news. What you just provided was like sort of getting in the news kind of stuff. How much of your work was keeping stuff out of the news too? Uh, there was, I mean, and that's where that kind of all plays into is when you do things like that, where you go above and beyond and, and help the, the media guys do their job. Uh, when you go and you're willing to take guys in studio and do things like that for them, that those are called uh, Paul Rudy, a sports guy here used to have a word that he called those Goondy points, you know, and when you score Goody. some points with the Goondy, Goody. And I don't, oh, yeah. don't ask you how to spell it. Call it a point. <laughs> yeah. but, and that was, but, you know, those are the kind of things like, you know, that's how you build up some some rapport and some kudos with the with the media. And when, when you need a favor, when there's, you know, there's a shitty story about to come out and you need to, you know, sweep it under the rug or you need to call in a favor, you know, that that's where it works. Um, and, and, and we that went to our, a lot of our coaches. I used to, you know, I we used to preach to them all the time about the importance of, you know, don't treat the media like the enemy, you know, have a relationship with these guys. It's okay to talk with them, you know, especially to meet guys off to the side, because look, there's going to come a time when, when you're going to need them, when there's a shitty story or coming off a shitty game where you, you know, you're going to look to Curry a little favor. And if you're a, you know, I, you know, if you're, you know, an asshole to the media, you're not going to get those favors, you know, and, and, you know, they're going to look to, to bury you at every opportunity and, um, it happens. So and I, coaches, I, coaches you know. were receptive to that kind of counsel, y'all. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they 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 got it. You know, there were guys that, um, you know, I mean, you saw plenty of coaches that, you know, they called. Like, I'll give you an example. Like Norv, you know, the fans for whatever reason, Norv Turner, who I love, was you know he was a hot button here for whatever reason, just just because of the circumstances he came in after we fired Marty and how popular Marty was. Uh, and Nord was great with the media, you know, there were, he probably extended his career here a couple of years, um, just because he had a good relationship with the media and they gave him, you know, the benefit of the doubt on a lot of things. And that just, that comes through relationship building. Um, you know, whereas a guy like, you know, Mike McCoy, who, again, who's, you know, I'm super close with, and he was, I loved working with him. Um, you know, he didn't necessarily have that rapport with the media. Um, so, you know, when he could have probably bought himself a little bit of extra, he was a younger guy too, whereas Norv had been around the block a little bit. Yeah. And that, look, that comes with coaching experience. And, and, and again, that's no knock on Mike. I'm just trying to differentiate the difference between the two type of guys and, and how they, you know, that guys that I worked with and know and how they kind of intersected with the media. Um, but you really can, I mean, if you have that relationship and, you know, you're willing to throw a guy a bone here or there, or maybe just tip him off, say, Hey, just, you know, this is coming or, if a guy calls and wants a confirmation on something, whether it's a transaction or something like that, you could those, those those relationships and the willingness to go out of the way to help those guys, it goes a long way. Yeah. Well, one last question, Kevin, and we'll get into yeah. the Gruden show really quick. Yaffe, tell us about the mundane, really, right? So if you're like at a, at a, at a, at a PR agency or if you're in-house, it's like it's either doing budgets or creating a media list or going to another meeting – or what is it for you? Is it the media scrums? Is it doing the post-game interviews? What 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 was the mundane? What was the horrible there? Uh, there wasn't really any horrible because I liked, I mean, I loved all the stuff we were doing. I mean, I loved to just, I was a football guy. So for yeah. me, you know, the, if there was ever mundane, it was the press releases in the NFL have in the media guides have just gotten out of control. Oh, you yeah. Know, I, mean, I, I saw a media guide recently. I was like, man, this is a lot of work here. <laughs> it, I, I, and I so I did our media guide single handedly. I wrote the yeah. thing. I did the graphic design. I maintained all the records. We didn't we were a small staff and I had no help 
for doing that. So our, yeah, our all the random releases, facts about the players and things yeah, like that. And it right? just, and the problem is you spend so much time doing that stuff. And then, you know, the media guide is great, you know, for the, you know, everybody that's got a bio in there, but the day the thing comes out, it, it, it's obsolete because yeah. none of that information is accurate anymore. Right. right and, right. Uh, you know, and it just, it's, it, you know, these teams still do it. You know, you look at the Packers have like something like a 700 page media guide, like the stuff in the, there's great <laughs> stuff in there, but I couldn't imagine doing that. Ours was, you know, and I'd gotten ours up to the, you know, the three hundreds, you know, two, 300 pages. And I mean, it was a great media guide. I was super proud of it, but man, that was a lot of work to just, you know, and you basically, as soon as the season ends, you know, in January, you know, when it should be the off season, you know, you're entering all the, you know, the notes and recaps of, 20 you know the previous season and then you're updating the records and then you got to start the bios and yeah it's um that that was the tedium right there but uh hey, you know kevin that sounds like a business opportunity for us dude <laughs> yeah, I mean, right media guys no thanks but you know I, I do remember doing a little bit of that work scott when we were in-house at uh san diego state work on uh the state uh, uh media guide like marshall falk you know I, I think i helped put some of that stuff together i mean that was that was exciting for me back in the day. I was just starting out, you know, Marshall Falk was, uh, was incredible. The state team was pretty, pretty exciting at the time. So oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, looking back, like, I mean, I wouldn't want to do that kind of work now, but uh, creating a media guide for, you know, and a bio for Marshall Falk, that was a good time back. In yeah. The day. And I mean, look at the guys I worked on. I, mean, I had, you know, I worked with LT, you know, and yeah. Ian Tomlinson. I mean, yeah. I literally documented his entire career, you know, knew everything about him inside and out. You know, Philip Rivers, the same thing. And but we had some out? great teams. Yeah, Sam. Well, I actually, I didn't really do the media guide. I didn't fully take it on. Um, I think until after Junior was was done or right at the tail end of his career. Yeah. Um, do, do, do they do, do they provide input into their bios? Because, like, if you work in the corporate space, some executives are like, no, you have to say well, it they this did. way. No, they uh, did. So the, the coaching and the front office bios were pretty standard. But what I did was, um, which actually was kind of unique, too, was kind of another hook. So a lot of the media guys, and still you look at this today, and they are – it's all loaded with football stuff. And a lot of stuff is so obscure that, you know, the, you don't need to know that you know, that Gronk caught four passes for, you know, 19 yards last week against, you know, Tennessee. Nobody cares about that, you know. So what I got to do was I started to kind of peel back the layers of instead of having the guys when Ian Eagle or Jim Nance or Kevin Harlan's calling a game, instead of him saying, you know, hey, nice catch by, you know, Vincent Jackson. Hey, last week caught four passes for 36 yards. What I started thinking was, why don't, wouldn't it be better if we got to him to say, hey, great catch there by Vincent Jackson. Hey, interesting guy not playing football does a b and c right so what i did was i actually sat down and started doing interviews with every player um on the roster and i would write a little story about them i'd ask them you know tell me about their families what they do off the field their hobbies and interests uh, basically i would sit down with a guy and say look you're not here you're not playing football you're not working out you're not training um what are you what do you like to do you know tell right. me about yourself and I learned about guys that like you know were into cooking i learned about you know we had guys whose families you know had families broken up that you know a parent in prison or you know they lost a sibling to a disease or um you know a guy that Stephen alexander we had a tight end used to ride motorcycles and i set up a deal one day i took him and a couple of uh, professional dirt bike riders and we went out to a track and we rode dirt bikes and we brought nfl films out so i mean those were the kind of you know those were the things where I, I had the ability to find a story about guys and get out and tell that story Fun stuff. Um, I, I could whole list of guys that i did stuff like that with Fun stuff. Sounds like that that dirt bike ride might have violated the terms of his contract. Yeah, you got to be careful on stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. We so look, be, man. We had to be hey. careful how many jumps he went over. 
No shit. So, so let's talk about John Gruden. Okay. So this is probably the biggest sports story of the week. Certainly this is a national story. John Gruden, former coach of the Los Angeles, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, lost his job resigned this week. Yeah. Resigned <laughs> this week. Right. Because of uh, emails and, and comments he made in emails that was uncovered during the investigation of the Washington football team by the NFL and, uh, you know, the guy made a bunch of, uh, you know, derogatory, inflammatory remarks about women, uh, homosexuals, um, you know, people of color. Uh, it was ugly. I think we can probably all agree. I mean, it was, uh, I think the NFL used, used the word abhorrent uh, to describe the, the emails. And, um, you know, he resigned this week and he was in the middle of a 10-year, $100 million contract. It's unclear if he's going to get to keep any of that money, uh, probably not is my guess, but uh, you know, uh, this, uh, you know, this is like, a, you know, it's obviously a sports story, but it's a national story, right? Cause I mean, it's, it touches on so many hot button issues. Um, and, uh, Scott, I, I'm just curious, man, like if you are the PR guy for the, uh, the chart uh, the Raiders at the time, if you had been the PR guy for them this past week, how would you have dealt with something like this? What's the what's the first thought that pops into your head when you hear about this? How do you even find out about it? What do you think happened over there in the Raiders uh, PR room when news of this stuff, news like this started coming out? Well, I think they, you know, I think they did, they did the best they could. Um, I think they were a little bit caught off guard. I don't know how much forewarning they had. I mean, I think the first notice notification came out on, on Friday. You know, I saw there were some people pointing some fingers at, at Mark Davis that they let him coach the team on Friday. I think um, I don't think they saw this coming, and I think they were caught a little bit off off guard by the whole thing. The only the only and I think they handled it well. Um, I think you know the one thing that if I was to say that I think that probably could have been done differently. And and look, I'm close with our PR guys. I know they're front office guys, so you know I'm not going to sit here and pick and be critical. I just if there was one thing I think that they they could have done was that they didn't was maybe just come out a little earlier with a statement of some sort, um, you know, cause it first started happening Friday and then the news broke Monday night. Um, and there really wasn't a comment from the team until, you know, till yesterday when, uh, when Bisacci spoke, when Mayock spoke and, um, and even Davis didn't have much to say. And um, as, as you've probably or know in, in crisis communications, one of the most important things is to, to get some sort of a message out, even if you don't have, even if there's nothing you can say, there's still a way to go out and say, look, we don't have much. We can't tell you much right now, but we're, we're doing some fact finding information gathering and uh, we don't want to speak prematurely. But, you know, as soon as we have some something we can share, you know, we will. And I, I don't believe anything like that came out. So I think that no. kind of hurt them a little bit because they got some critique for um, for not speaking sooner. Um, but again, you know, I know those guys are working hard. And they're good guys. And, you know, they were I'm sure they were all scrambling when, you know, not expecting this news to come down. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, when that happens and when things are breaking, sometimes to get something out, even if you are saying that you're looking into it, we will be back soon, kind of helps control the message a little bit more. There'll still yeah, be that- speculation and rumors and stuff, but at least you would have said something, right, and prep people before. Correct, and, and, we, and that was typically what we did. Look, I mean, we dealt with plenty of crises here, um, and, and in most cases, there was not really much we could say. You know, we had a deal where a player got shot or – we had players get arrested, you know, pretty routinely. And, you know, you would come out with the, the boilerplate, you know, we, we understand or we're aware of a situation, made aware of a situation. 
uh, you know, we're going to let the authorities handle it. In the meantime, you know, we're gathering information. And if there's any more we could share, then, then we will. And a, a simple statement like that, um, you know, like you said, Dave, goes a long way. You know, what's the pressure, though? I mean, so you're right. And they didn't do very much. They, you know, the, the statement was lean. Um, they still honestly really haven't said a lot. And I think, Scott, there's a lot of question about kind of when they knew about this stuff, how much warning they had. Certainly the decision to let uh, Gruden coach the uh, the last game that he did is, is I think, questionable. Not not a PR issue necessarily, but but certainly a, a team issue. So uh, what I'm wondering is like, what what's the process like at uh, at team headquarters when you you know when something comes down like this and you know that you need to do something about it from Com's perspective? What's the process like? What's the chain of command like? Are, are you going to the owner? Are you going to the coach? How do you deal with this? What's the process for dealing with something like this? I mean, it varies from building to building, but typically, you know, the PR guy will, there's a, uh, a crisis communications team per se. Um, so when something like this comes down where, you know, it's the head PR guy, it's usually the the president or CEO, you know, the owner, the head coach and the, and the GM, or, you know, in this case, Sam's the head coach, but, you know, you're bringing those heads together, um, you know, and as the PR guy, it's your responsibility to make a recommendation on what you think the team should do. Um, and then, you know, you either get the support or the buy-in um, or lack thereof, you know, or, or you don't from, you know, your higher ups, but it, it's gotta be, you know, obviously when you're in a team environment, it has to be a team decision. So that's what you're doing is you're huddling with those guys and, um, look, there's different ways you can handle it. Um, you know, we've been through situations. I'll give an example where yeah. um, even if you can't say something, you know, I might, you know, even if it's a situation where you know you can't say anything, you know, you might take a guy like, you know, you might take Mark Davis into a room and say, look, okay, we're, we can't say much, but we're going to call Vinny Bonsignore and we're going to call, uh, you know, Sam, you know, I'm just throwing some names out, but you're going to call a couple of the beat guys and you're just going to give them a little something on background, you know, that they, you know, just to give them something, um, yep. you know, there's ways to do that just so you have an ability to kind of set and control the message. And that kind of goes back to what I said before is when you have a good relationship with the media and you have tough times like this, you, 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 you can know that you can call those guys and you can trust them, um, you know, and that they will, you know, help you be your messengers of the message, um, which really is what you're trying to do when you're in the midst of a crisis like this and, and the clock is ticking. Have you so like I'm thinking back of to your time at the Chargers and issue incidents that you might have encountered that were similar. I think you know, and I can't remember if you were there. So uh, obviously, Junior Seau was a is a Hall of Fame uh, uh, football player. Uh, he passed away. He, he took his own life, if I remember correctly, right? And and there was yep. a lot of CTE stuff that came out after that. Uh, you know, I, I'm wondering. So that were, were you with the Chargers when that when that happened? Yeah, we were. I mean, but we had we we didn't have a lot, of, you know, to deal. Of, I'm trying to think how to be was best way to say this, but you know, by then Junior was retired. You know, and yeah. he had you know he had he had been released and and he had gone on and and played for played for a couple other teams or played for where you go to Miami and then New England. So yeah, he played for a couple other teams by then. Um, so it wasn't something necessarily that impacted you guys. Uh, in no, but uh, it, it, from a tangible example, like of a crisis, and this is, you know, this isn't this is different than obviously what happened with, with Coach Gruden. But you know, we fired Marty Schottenheimer after he won 14 games, and we got knocked out in the first, you know, in the divisional round of the playoffs. And um, so that was, you know, that was 
for us, that was a big crisis communication. So we obviously we put out the statement. I'll never forget the, the, the night this happened because he gets, and just as I get word that he's getting fired and, and we got to do something, we get a call from my mom that my sister's in labor. And mm. uh, so I had to race out. I missed all that. I was at the hospital till about three in the morning. Then I had jury duty the next morning um, <laughs> in the midst of dealing with all this. But one of the things that we did, uh, which worked for us, was um, after the, the news came out, we brought in um, in separate groups. We brought in the, the TV and radio guys. We brought in the print guys and the columnists and just let them sit down with Dean just to get a little background um, about what the decision was and why it was made. And um, and again, nothing was recorded. It was just a chance for them to come in and, and kind of chat with him off the record. Uh, but again, that those are things that we did that, you know, help control the message and at least be able to give them an opportunity to go back to the paper or the radio station or the TV station and at least try to explain the rationale behind you know, firing a guy that just won more games than anybody else in franchise history in a season. Right. And so, you know, the the Raiders like this, this, uh, this issue isn't going away for them. I, I know they've got new, some the uh, in fact, the, the guy that's the head coach now, he was uh, he was with you at the chargers at one point, right? Yeah. Passaccia. Yeah. Rich Passaccia. I worked with him. He was our uh, special teams coordinator for a few years. So, so, I mean, they've got some new leadership in place, but the issue isn't going away. What, what's how, what would you do if you were there now from a PR perspective in terms of, you know, dealing with the issue going forward, what kind of communications are you looking for from them? What would your counsel be? What, you know, kind of, how would you guide that situation going forward? Well, one thing you don't want to be is knee-jerk because there's still a lot of information that's coming out. This is a, you know, a constantly evolving situation. And um, who knows, there could be other emails that get released and, um, you know, that can be damning as well. So you kind of have to be careful. So you don't want to do anything knee-jerk and then have something come back and bite you. Um, not to say it will, but that potentially could happen. Um, I, look, I think right now that the, the way that they're going to demonstrate their sincerity and that they're looking to change is, is through their actions. And they've, you know, they've claimed for many years that they, you know, are, you know, diversified and inclusive. Um, you know, and they've shown that, you know, they hired Art Shell, who's the first black head coach in, in NFL history. They had a woman, Amy Trask, who was their president CEO. Um, I think that was her title for, for a number of years. Um, you know, Carl Nassib, you know, came out as one of the first openly gay players and um, so they've really demonstrated their their openness and their their inclusivity there. Uh, so I think they just have to continue to do that, um, you know. And I'm sure they will obviously try to as best they can distance themselves from uh, from you know Coach Gruden and, and what took place. And um, albeit the fact that that most of that or almost all of that or all of it in fact took place before he was a Raider. Right. Um, so I think you know the best they can do is try to distance themselves from the situation you know, engage with their fan base and, and show their sincerity through their actions and, and the things that they do, whether that's community efforts or promotions or, um, you know, how they engage with the public. And, and that's how you grow and move on from, from a situation like this. Good tips. And Mark Davis, the owner, uh, I mean, does he need to be front and center on this stuff? Uh, should, I think, uh, is it Mike Mayock, the, uh, the GM, like who should be, who, who's the, uh, you know, who's, who's the primary spokesperson around something like this? If well, you're, I think if you're in charge. Now, now that you're in the season, once you get onto this, you know, I think it's, it's the head coach is the guy that's out in front of the podium. And then you, you know, you pick and choose your spots with, um, you know, obviously Mark Davis and, and Mayock have responsibility because they're the guys that hired John. Um, so I think they have to be out front with their actions and show some sincerity. And there'll be some efforts. You'll probably see these guys doing some things out in the community, 
um, you know, to show that they're sincere. And, um, you know, look, I, I've known Coach Gruden a long time. I, I, I love the guy. You know, I've known him from when he was working at ESPN. And, um, you know, he – I don't think he set out to malicious, ma- maliciously hurt anybody. Um, in fact, what I'll, I, I'll ask you, what do you, what do you think the, the over-under was on the number of guys in, in sports and – professional college I went into work on Tuesday and started scrubbing their uh their sent ma- sent items all, in their mailboxes. All, <laughs> all of them. And I think that's what's about to come out, right? I think that's what we're gonna find over the course of the next few weeks on this story is that, you know, all the people he sent those things to that wrote back with an LOL or a yeah, no kidding or I agree with that. I mean, I think it's I think they all a bunch of people are gonna have to own this thing. And I don't think it's gonna be exclusive to the Raiders or uh, or co- or Coach Gruden. Yeah, um, don't get me wrong, I certainly don't would in no way condone what he did. Uh, but, you know, he was just, he was such a, he was a football guy. And, you know, if you worked in football and you loved being around football guys that could just sit and talk ball for, for hours. I mean, he was a, he was a, he was a special guy and he had a lot of uh, people he was close with, you know, and you could see how, you know, from the reaction from what happened, um, you know, to him. So, but it, you know, it's unfortunate it happened and, um, you know, the Raiders are going to have to move on and and do some things to show that they've changed. And, and ultimately, Coach will have to get out there as well. Uh, you know, and he's a young guy. I don't think he's just going to disappear. So I think at some yeah. point he's going to have to go on a redemption tour and uh, try to re- re- restore his image. Yeah. If, you know, I, I, I hear you, Yafi. I, I hear you. I, I think, though, the fact that it happened and it continued for a while is – even though he was a football guy on all of these great things that he's done for the game, for the league or whatever it is in this day and age. I mean, I think it's, it's still wrong, right. Along the way. Oh, and that, that there's percent. absolutely consequences for that. And I think in the past, you know, eighties, nineties, maybe even in the early two thousands, you could let that kind of slip by as a slip of the mouth. But I think, you know, society is much more aware, right? And people are calling it cancel culture or whatever it needs to be. I don't know. There's growing up, there's always actions for your uh, uh, consequences for your actions. Right. And this is one of those. It's not necessarily cancel anything. It's just like, it's just not a good representation of where the league wants to be. Right. No, not at all. And then, you know, when you've got a, you know, a league that is so heavily populated and the majority of the players are are minorities or from different backgrounds and, um, you know, obviously you see there are, you know, there are guys of, of different sexual orientations in the league. You, just, you have to be respectful. You, you cannot get away with, you know, with what he did under under any circumstances. And, um, you know, I think, unfortunately, guys don't necessarily realize that, you know, they may send a, an email to a, you know, a buddy in jest thinking that it's not, you know, it's just talking to his buddy. But you never know when there's going to be a, you know, a proctology exam of somebody's you know, email server and what's going to come out of it, or, you know, there's going to be an audit and somebody comes in and all of a sudden, you know, stuff that you just thought you were sending to your buddy. I mean, look, this had nothing to do with John Gruden. This was an investigation of the Washington football team and the owner of the team. And they went in and harvested 650,000 emails and what's, you know, what's come out of it had nothing to do with the, with, with the, the football team. It had everything to do with, you know, an email exchange between, the president of the of the Redskins and and Gruden, who go back, you know, twenty years to you know when he was with the Raiders originally, and then on to Tampa Bay where they won a Super Bowl together. I mean, these guys were buddies, and you know, do you think in you know, and I'm sure in Gruden's mind he never thought, well, you know, hey, I'm sending this to Bruce. Maybe there's going to be an investigation into this football team, 
And, you know, 10 years later, this is going to come out when it has nothing to do with me. All right. So we're going to hear it first, hear first to all the embargoed listeners, which is a lot of you. Be careful what you say on electronic communications because it can come out one day, <laughs> no matter yeah. what. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's PR 101, right? You got you to be careful what you say. I, I think the um, the Gruden situation, the Raiders situation is you know, sadly, it reflects probably a, a larger problem that the NFL has both a practical like doing business problem and a PR problem, which is that I, I think a lot of people in and around the game either feel the same way or act the same way that Coach Gruden does and did. And uh, they, you know, the NFL is out there trying to say that they are a different organization, that they care about players, that they care about social justice. But when stuff like this comes out, and again, I think we're going to see a lot more of it over the next few weeks it really flies in the face of, of what they're trying to say. Uh, it makes them look disingenuous. And uh, I think that, you know, really what we're, what we're looking for is, um, you know, is some deeper change, right? I think the, you know, it, it's one thing to say, hey, we care about social justice and we care about uh, player empowerment. And we care about, uh, you know, diversity and, and uh, equity and inclusivity. But, you know, when, when the people who represent your brand, um, and, it, and, you know, it's not just the NFL, right? It's ESPN too, right? It's all the, the associate organizations. When you're out there saying, hey, we care about these things, but then we're employing and hiring and promoting people who clearly don't, um, it just makes it, it, it makes it all seem pretty thin. So I, I think, you know, this is like another one of these look in the mirror type issues for the NFL in particular, um, in a lot of ways, and similar to like the concussion stuff that went on, whatever it was, 10 years ago, where they really need to make some significant changes to, you know, kind of the, the way they go about their business, the people they hire, um, because th this this is a this is clearly a bad look. Yeah, no, it definitely sets back the you know the efforts that they've created over the years to um, you know to counter some of these things. Um, and uh, yeah, it does. It's um, it's tough. There's there's a lot of work to be. It just shows that you know as a society um, and sports in general, there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah. Um, all right, so. This is about the time in the show, Yoff, where we we like to play a couple of games, and uh, we got you know I got a couple ideas for some fun and some lighter topics that we can talk about here. So actually, they're kind of light. Maybe some of them are, but I I thought I was going to throw at you and Dave some of the kind of big sports PR scandals of the last decade, and uh, and you get to score them. All right. So on a scale of one to ten, ten being like just you know shit storm, and one being oh that wasn't so bad. Um, you guys can kind of decide uh, where these things rank in, in the pecking order of sports PR gaps. E even if I never heard of them, <laughs> well, you, you, you should know most of these. Okay, so we'll, we'll we'll go with some easy ones here. Yoff, you can go first. The Houston Astros sign stealing scandal when they stole the World Series from the Dodgers in 2017. Uh, I mean, on the it was made major on the scale, but I to me, I think that was minor in scale i mean they've been guys have been stealing signs in baseball forever i mean this is you know it's uh they're not the first team i guarantee you that was sign stealing i mean every time a guy's been at second base don't yeah. tell me he wasn't trying to tip off the batter what was coming but the yeah. technology and with the with the garbage cans and whatnot that was that seems a little over the top yeah it is i mean it, look it goes against the rules and the ethics of baseball but again like i said it's been um you know if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Is what, you you know, I've heard that for a long time. Yeah. So I, my, uh, my, my take is uh, if it was against the Dodgers, it's fake news. So oh Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's go to the next one then. Um, let's see. Uh, Lance Armstrong. 
Need I say my, more? Dave? Yoth? Somebody take it. Dave, take it. Lance Armstrong, PEDs, claiming he didn't, threatening to sue people who said he did. I'm going to put that one kind of in the middle. Uh, really? Again, I think that, you know, again, performance-enhancing drugs have been part of sports for for years. You know, it just got to the point now where they're testing for them. But, you know, guys were taking – I mean, I know – heard stories of guys back in football players back in the sixties and seventies where, you know, they were taking quaaludes and, you know, all kinds of painkillers and everything. So, I mean, I think it's just now it's on the consciousness because there's, um, you know, for, for, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but I, I, I certainly wouldn't say that's the biggest crisis or scandal to grip sports. So I would yeah. put that around the five range. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a little different perspective, not necessarily like the scandal to tear sports apart or anything, but to the man himself, Lance Armstrong, the reputational damage that he did. So 10 being the worst, he's like an eight or nine out of that because he was golden boy before yeah. that. Right. Just totally. And nobody could believe he could do it. And he had the live strong foundation and everything. And then after that, he, you know, he, He's just you know, nobody's ever come back to him for anything that is credit, uh, you know, credible. So, yeah, he's been on the news pretty consistently now for the yeah. last ten years. What about the uh, the Tiger Woods sex scandal? Where does that rank for you guys? Uh, that was definitely that one was juicy. I'm going to put that one up around <laughs> you know a nine or ten range, just because you know you're talking about a guy that um, and look, he's not the first athlete that's cavorted around, um, you know stuff like that. Um, his was obviously to a much higher degree, but, uh, that was a big scandal because, you know, he golf had become grown so exponentially in terms of its popularity and the money and everything yeah. around the game. And he was the face of that. So when that scandal hit, that was a major blow. And look, you still see it. There's a big difference between tournaments when tiger plays and when tiger doesn't play TV yep. ratings and everything along with it. Yeah. That, that, that was a big scandal too reputational for him because he had a pretty good image going before all of that um you know and my wife likes to say karma's a bitch because he hasn't really been he's been struggling ever since those times so yeah yeah no doubt all right how about the uh, you guys remember the michael vick dog fighting scandal oh, horrible Ew, that's, that's just sad <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah why would you that's do that <laughs> you know as an animal lover, that one was hard for me. Uh, yeah. You know, look, Michael Vick, great guy, dynamic player on the field. Uh, you know, he, he, he changed the game of football. Uh, but, you know, abusing animals is on the part of, of abusing children. And you just you, you just you can't do that. So I think that put that scandal definitely uh, in the in the eight, nine, ten range or the nine, ten range for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I'll throw a couple more at you guys. Uh, how about. Um, let's go with, uh, let's go with deflate gate, right? This is uh, new England Patriots, uh, quarterback did, uh, Tom Brady, did he want, uh, the balls deflated so he could squeeze them a little tighter? What kind of a, uh, kind of a PR I'm, issue I'm, was that? I'm right there with, I thought that thing was so overblown. I'm right there with the, uh, with the sign stealing again in, in football. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Right. Yeah. I don't know about that one. He still had to throw the damn thing. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. meet somebody like, you know, it's, uh, you know, probably help the other team too if they mixed up a ball or not. You don't think, I mean, if guys aren't, I mean, come on. I mean, guys are putting pine tar on bats and, you know, I mean, the guys used to cork bats. I mean, stuff like that. Look, you still have to, you still got to catch it and you, you still got to throw and somebody still got to catch it. 
So right. I think, you know, compared to some of the other scandals we're talking about, that one is way down the list for me. How about the, uh, how about the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan case? <laughs> I'm going way back here for that one. The, the figure skating, that, that was pretty bad, right? That's that was be a like bad a- scandal because you had, you know, it just, it was at the time, you know, the Olympics were such a bigger deal then than they are now. I think they, there's so many other sports out there. I don't know that the Olympics actually sit on the popularity scale, but you think back to the, you know, the eighties and the nineties, everybody used to look forward to those four years when the Olympics came around and, you know, Nancy Kerrigan was the darling of, of ice skating. So, um, you know, that was, uh, wasn't that around, wasn't the Joey Buttafuoco thing going on around the same time too. So, I I, so. Yeah. yeah, I put there those in the same stuff going on right then. So I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to put that one. I'm going to, going to say maybe seven range for me for wow, that one. okay yeah you know on the shock value it was really high like who the hell would do that right like take the kneecaps out of somebody right you know it's just bad and i think that's why it was so scandalous right no doubt uh i got some others but they're just downers man i, I, <laughs> I, I was wondering if the flight gate was going to get in there the flight gate, well, i kind of threw that in with i got Spygate on the list i got bounty gate from the new orleans saints i got some other just some real just some horrible bummers i, I let, let's let's change the game here so uh, the last thing we do is this rep fire refer game. Dave, do you want to squeeze one more uh, kind of pseudo game in before that? Are we? Are no, we... I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Let's do the rep fire and refer. Okay. Um, and go so yeah, this, this game is like, uh, we're going to give you three names and you have to decide from a PR perspective, whether you want to rep, who you want to represent, who you want to fire and who you want to refer. You got to rep one, fire one and refer the other three guys. Okay. Dave, go ahead. So this week, it is John Gruden, Mark Davis, Al Davis. Now, they're all Raiders, right? And so I'm going to – I know you worked with these guys, and you probably know a few of them pretty well, but it can also be a guy with bowl cuts, a guy with uh, gold chains and track suits, or a mis- misogynist, racist, homophobe. <laughs> but that's probably a little bit too much. Let's just call him John Gruden, Mark Davis, and Al Davis. Rep, fire, or refer. All right, so it's on me. So, yeah. you know, honestly, I'm going to rep Gruden because I think oh. at some point he's going to need to um, – and I'm not saying that happens today, but I think at some point he's going to need to restore his image. And, I, you know, I think um, – I'd like to think that, you know, kind of like David Carr said yesterday about um, – or what uh, Derek Carr said uh, about, um, you know, he's going to be there for him when, when he needs him to help him on the other side and – I'd like to think I'm a guy that always believed in helping people. So I think on the, uh, you know, I would rep him and, and want to rep him and help him restore his image. I think, um, you know, I, maybe not everybody feels that way, but that, that would be my rep. My refer would probably uh, be Mark Davis. I think I'd, I'd refer that one to somebody else. And uh, my fire would be, would, would probably be out. Okay. Yeah. So well, Mark did anyway. I don't think he can be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he can't be so, helped. His image so, is pretty much done. So Mark Davis, you would prefer him to a new hair. Refer him to a new hairstylist versus a. I'd prefer him to Kevin. Yeah, right, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, John Gruden, I hear you on that because America loves a comeback story, right? You know, and like you know, and the media loves a comeback story. They'll lift you up. They'll report on you going down. You know, and it may be a while before they try to take you back up, but there's an always an opportunity for that. 
you think he's got you think he's got a chance to repair that image i mean man that's this is this is pretty ugly yeah look he's got a lot of work to do let's not beat around the bush i mean again like i said earlier you know this was you know horrendous awful abhorrent whatever you want word you want to use to describe it um but i think he's young enough and i think he's well liked enough in in the football world that i think People will at least, whether or not he can do it, I don't know. But I think people will give him an opportunity to, um, you know, repent and, uh, you know, go out. And and there's no explanation. There's no excuse for what he did. But I think the fact that he's young enough and and he still has a lot of football and life in him, I think, you know, he at least will at some point when maybe when things kind of some of the dust settles, that he'll at least have an opportunity to go out and and try to restore his image. John Gruden, if you're out there, Scott Yaffe is here to help. (laughs) <laughs> Hit him up at Scott Yaffe Communications. Yeah. Yaffe, this has been great to have you on the show. It's a different perspective for us tech PR guys, um, but good to hear how communications is done at a, at, at a highly visible, uh, everybody watches it, you know, kind of uh, uh, organization like the NFL and San Diego Chargers. Although I don't know how many people are watching them, but hey. So well, they're in Los Angeles. Now. <laughs> yeah, they're, right? they're pretty yeah, damn totally. good, actually. Yeah, yeah they, they are doing all right. So um, thanks for being here. Um, we're, we'll be back next week. I think we've, we've got shows for till the end of the year, Kevin. I think that's we're, right. And we've got guests coming along. So Scott, thanks for being here again. Uh, yeah, it's fun to join you guys, Kev. Great to uh, get reconnected and, uh, and, and uh, talk through some, uh, some of the biz and uh, look forward to doing it again. Absolutely, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate your time. Take care, y'all. I ain't never just tripped and pitched it. I just looked at the whole situation. Cause once you look at it, you know really do. They don't give a fuck about us. They don't give a fuck about us. They don't give a fuck about us. Trap our young black seeds, look at coppers as stupid as the niggas they chasing.